When I was a kid and people asked about my heroes, I feel like it was always subliminally a way to lead the witness, me, to older generations, often dead people, like a social studies test. And what I've realized about this show over time is that among the opportunities that it has presented to me in my journey, maybe the most important, is that it's allowed me to talk to heroes I have right now, walking among us in this work, sometimes helping me discover ones. Chris Emden is one of those. While this talk is one from his appearance at the 2019 New York City Computer Science for All Teacher Summit, you definitely don't need to be a CS teacher to love what you're about to hear. How about... If you look at the people in your circle and you don't get inspired, then you don't have a circle, you have a cage. Or... So are you, are you teaching for admiration or for inspiration? You see what I'm saying? Now, if you're teaching for inspiration, you gotta have a story to tell. Like Biggie. Do I have your attention? Dr. Chris Emden is an associate professor in the Department of Math, Science, and Technology at Teachers College, Columbia University. He also serves as director of the Science Education Program and associate director of the Institute for Urban and Minority Education. He's the creator of the hip-hop ed social media movement and the author of the award-winning book, Urban Science Ed for the Hip-Hop Generation and the New York Times bestseller for white folks who teach in the hood and the rest of y'all too. For a longer bio, check out show notes. And if you haven't heard it, pop back to episode 58 to listen to my first conversation with Chris and Edmund Ajapong. What you're about to get into are excerpts from his talk, somewhat consolidated from the original. So don't be surprised by a few jump cuts. Facebook.com slash no such thing podcast and take the listener survey. I'm enormously grateful. I don't have to hope that you'll enjoy what's coming your way. I know you will. This is No Such Thing, a podcast about the promise and reality of learning with technology. I'm Mark Lesser. In case anyone in this room doesn't know who Dr. Chris no, Emden is. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, come on. I got it in my phone right here. All right. So I'm going to start off. I appreciate you. You, want, you need your notes? Nah? Yeah. <laughs> Was good. It's all good. I, I, I want to begin with a um, with a conversation about situating, you know, this event and the larger idea of computer science for all. So I think when we're in the midst of having, um, you know, academic conferences or teacher gatherings around an issue, we have a tendency to align ourselves with the tradition of previous teacher conferences and other meetings. And we don't take enough time to hold on to the gravitas of the moment. This initiative called Computer Science for All is four years old. In those four years, a lot, have been, a lot has been done philosophically to set up for where we're going to go. We're finally at the point four years after where we can have a convening of educators. The, the project actually begins when the educators convenes. So the four works prior is just prep work for what? This moment. And when, when you're in the middle of a moment that has the potential to transform the world, you oftentimes don't look at the moment. You're like, I'm up on Saturday, I gotta go to a conference, or I'm gonna hang out with some educators who are thinking about things. I think it's essential for us to hold on to the significance of this moment so that you understand the kind of fervor you need to take this work further. This is the first convening of computer science educators in this city, I would argue, one of the, if not the first convening of such in the country. 
so, by virtue of your very presence in this moment today, you are a part of a groundbreaking, possibly earth-shattering moment. Once you hold on to that, then you also have to concurrently hold on to the fact that you have an immense responsibility, given that you're spearheading something new, to be as innovative, creative, uh, forward-thinking as possible in your vision of this work. Because in many ways, those in this room are going to define what that work is. It means that you have to be intentional about not absorbing traditions of previous fields of study who have a hun hundreds of years of history in doing things wrong. <laughs> you got to have a moment to figure out how you do this thing right. Are y'all with me? Yeah. And not just in a philosophical way, but in a tangible and practical way. You are earth shatterers. You are groundbreakers. You are a cohort of individuals who are coming together to reimagine re the possibilities for a field of study. So you've got to engage that way. Now, once you're engaging that way, you got to understand that three things are going to always be at play. And you've got to learn to reconcile those things. This is, this is a pre-talk before the talk. <laughs> and those three things is, or are, is, <laughs> just for the record, it's important. I, I understand how to do proper conjugation and all that. <laughs> but I also understand how significant it is to be able to have real talk. And what I try to do when I give talks is I try to give you information, but also model pedagogy, right? That my, uh, my Ivy Leagueness does not inhibit me from the ability to use is or are fluidly for the sake of connection to the audiences. And when we're talking about computer science in particular, which has a language that is oftentimes separated from the ways of knowing and being of young folks, right? There is a tendency for the educators within that space to tether themselves to appropriateness. And if you tether yourself to appropriateness in a field of study that moves young folks away, then you are serving as a mechanism or as a tool for creating wider divides. So as we come together today, maybe the first thing we want to think about when we think about computer science for all in this new iteration of it is the necessary anti-respectable vocabulary yeah. in how we engage in the work. Let that be a shared ideal we have. Y'all still with me or not? Now, once we understand those pieces, we also understand that when you're doing things that are new, and this is why this room is the way it is right now and not bubbling out the hallway, because by virtue of your newness, you're going to invoke some kind of response in folks who are not in this room. Folks who maybe didn't want to get with the bandwagon or did, did, like computer science for all, what's this? We can't all be computer scientists. And, and you know, th there's always a train of folks with critique or your colleagues who are like, what's the CS? Why she thinks she's so special? Because she, did, I'm, I'm, what I'm telling you, what I'm telling you is, I'm here to talk real talk with you. By virtue of your existence and being in this room, you've got folks in your school who have that mindset towards your presence and your work. And if you don't prepare yourself for that, you're going to be hampered by it as you move forward. You're going to have, you're going to have a co-constructor who will critique you, but they're co-constructed. You know, sometimes critique is good. Somebody could critique you and be helping you to co-construct how to do this right. So you got, you're going to have a co-constructor. Then you're going to have a hater. And the hater is the person who's exactly credentialed as you and don't understand why computer science is so special. Because reading is special. No disrespect to the, you know, and, 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 and art is special, so why, why are they so special? So you're going to have a hater, and then you're going to have a sucker. <laughs> I'm serious. 
And as you move forward, you got to understand and distinguish between these three folks. You got to understand who's your co-constructor, who's your hater, who's your sucker, and learn how to move appropriately and accordingly so you can get your work done. Now, the co-constructor might say to you, why do you have your class looking like that? I don't quite understand. And they're going to sound like a hater. Because they're coming to you and saying, I don't understand why you're envisioning what you're doing the way you're doing it, given the traditions that we have. And you got to have the discernment to distinguish between whether that person is a hater or a co-constructor. As a newfound field, we have to be open enough to absorb critique from the established traditions if they're going to help us to reimagine what we do going forward. And in your school building, and particularly amongst the CS for All team, who've been thinking about this for four years before they got there, they're going to come to your school and they're going to critique you. Don't take a co-constructor as a hater. Be open enough to learn that this is new enough where we have to reimagine what we're doing. Whatever curriculum you have so far ain't the curriculum. So folks gonna have to help you to get it better because that's how we start. Now, now we talk about the co-constructors we got those cats out the way. Let's talk about the haters. <laughs> the haters are the folks who are in your school building saying, how come he got the special room? How come they get to go to conferences? Why is everybody so focused on computer science? How do kids go to computer science if they can't read? All these people who are going to have things to say about your existence by virtue of your existence. And I'm going to give you some real good advice. Your job for a hater is to ignore them. Y'all don't want real work this morning. Y'all want a regular keynote? Or do you... I could, there's a podium. I could give you one of those. <laughs> Critique from folks who are simply as credentialed as you and are concerned about the value of computer science in a larger context do not require your debating and going back and forth with them. If you do that work, it distracts you from the pedagogical work. And this work being so new and so essential for the 21st century skills, does not. we don't have time to argue with haters. Take the critique from co-constructors, ignore haters. But with that being said, they're also suckers. <laughs> and suckers who are folks who are going to critique just the very concept of not the teaching itself, but who we are teaching for, which is why we have to have an equity for all conversation. There are distinctions. There are folks who under who might who will say, well, computer science for all in that school with those kids. I don't think that can happen. Computer science for all with kids who are not quite like and those folks. You those folks, you shut down. <laughs> are you understand what I mean? Yeah. You, look, if you are beginning a movement, which I argue this is this is what this is. you got to have movement strategy. And movement strategy necessitates the welcoming of critique from co-constructors, the ignoring of haters, and the shutting down of suckers. And the shutting down for suckers happened with a staunch and fervent allegiance to the work of the empowerment of black and brown bodies in New York City public schools. These kids can't do it. You fight back quickly with, yes, they do have, they, yes, they can do it. Yes, they do have the ability to do it. Their underperformance thus far is a reflection of the inadequacies of the system and of their abilities. And we have computer science for all so we can reimagine what this looks like. What computer science for all does for us is it gives many of us a restart button to see the genius of these babies. If you don't view this work in that way and as an extension of the existing curriculum, you shouldn't be doing this work. Now, with that being said, I want to get into my talk. <laughs> Given that we have a newfound area of study in many ways, it is essential that we recognize that who we draw from 
as the intellectual anchors of this area of study are not the folks who we've drawn from in the established structures of schools and schooling. If school as it stands draws from a Piagetian, a Vygotskyan, uh, 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 you know, whoever the heck it is, this framework for, that represents an established system, this idea of a newfound approach to instruction requires the adoption of theoretical anchors, intellectual anchors that are very different from the established. The, look, if we start in something in 2015, then we got to have some 2015 heroes as the folks that we draw from in our pedagogy. In that case, theoretically, we got to draw from the folks who are in situ doing work, manipulating the world of digital lives, manipulating the world of computer science, manipulating the interactions with computers and computing in new and innovative ways. And those folks are young people. I will draw more from a Nipsey hustle than an established pedagogical tradition because this is a person who grew up in the 80s and, 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 and one of his, his, his last hurrahs at his funeral when his brother was talking about Nipsey Hussle wanted to make music. He wanted to be a rapper. He didn't have access to a studio. That boy built a, a computer from scratch out of nowhere. So Nipsey Hussle got to be the framework with which we draw from in our pedagogy around computer science for all. Meaning, if a Nipsey constructs his own computer, our pedagogy in computer science has to be more about construction than it is about memorization. The, 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 what we draw from got to be different. Second of all, Nipsey was a rapper. CS gives us a very innovative and creative opportunity to be able to draw from larger hip-hop traditions in our pedagogy. Why? The most brilliant computer scientists I know are those who are born out of necessity in creating a tool to meet their unique goals. If that's the case, any computer science curriculum in 2019 has to be one where the young folks can articulate their goals, which are outside of the purview of the educator. Y'all with me? The goals here ain't the regions. <laughs> they might try to get us, but we ain't gonna go there yet. But the, the goal here is computer science literacy, comfort, engagement, and utilization. Therefore, the goal has to be what matters to you. Are y'all with me? I, you want to be a rapper? The anchor of my pedagogy for you is, okay, you want to be a rapper? Well, you need to have a studio. You want to have a studio, then you got to build that joint. You want to build that joint that you have to understand how to be able to work with digital image? You want to be a, you want to be a hairdresser? Well, you have to understand how to, like, it's, it's this idea of a very dynamic and didactic set of goals. Computer science simply becomes the set of digital tools to meet the young folks' goals. So the anchor of your pedagogy has to, on, has to be on the identification of goals and then a lashing onto computer science skills to meet those goals. And I was saying this on a podcast, those goals are the computer science thinking, the computer science mindedness can happen without a computer. It's simply a, a, a language, an approach, and a philosophy, not a set of things to do. What do you mean by that, Emden? The idea of the identification of goals, the setting out of a parameters to parameters that will get you there, the idea of obstacles that will overcome and challenges to be able to hack the existing system to meet your needs. Those philosophies are built in the human being that are then applied in a digital world. So your pedagogy has to be about the computer science mindedness, I would argue, alongside with or even prior to the tool being presented. Because if you give young folks tools... 
and you don't inform them about the goals of the tools, the use of the tools to meet their own goals, they will actually destroy the tools. You know, all the time I have, this is before CS for All, and I go to the hood and work with these babies, and I go, I'm like, yo, bring out your laptop cards. They bring out the laptop cards, and half the keys on the computer are gone. And, and who's been there? Okay, don't be scared. It's not just you. Across the city. You're like, why would these, why would these young people... We provide them with these digital technology tools and, you know, we know it's a tech divide and we give them access and, and, and here they are destroying the very laptops we gave them. All. And you could utilize that narrative to construct a deficit narrative about those young people. And you don't ask the question about why they're doing that. And I'm going to tell you right now, and this is what we're going to address. The young folks are destroying the tools you give them because you've allowed the tool to be a me- another, it's a digital mechanism for continued oppression. I can't give you a tech tool and then address the fact that my needs are not being met, then expect me to use the tool in the way that you want me to. It's possible. This is why we got to be so, yo, we got to be woke, y'all. With, with this new field and area of study, we got to ensure that we are being very deliberate about enacting counter practices to the flaws of the existing system. If you can't do that, don't bother. Go teach whatever you were teaching before. The haters. Talk that talk, bruh. Before the tech tools is you. And Nip had this quote. Well, he said it. I don't know if it's attributed originally to him. If you look at the people in your circle and you don't get inspired, then you don't have a circle. You have a cage. Now, I want to talk about the concept of circle. Because y'all cited the work that I do around cogenerative dialogues and conversation, which gets lambasted in traditional academic communities as though dialogue is not pedagogy. You know, people admit, I ain't going to even go there. Like, cats don't get the value of engaging with the participant about their experiences, about the learning experience. Like, why would you ask the kids what they think of your instruction? Um, Because you're teaching them. But anyway, this idea of a circle. This idea of a circle is at the anchor of any progressive pedagogy, where there is a, there's an absence of divides and a, a shared understanding. And so if, the, if you look at the people in your circle and you don't get inspired, you don't have a circle. But the circle is who the young folks are surrounded with. In this world, you are the people who shape the circle. Y'all with me? So if the young person is in the circle and you are the adults are the ones who are constructing the circle, if they look in the circle, which is you and are not inspired... Like, it's not like they're friends. I, I, I want us I to make this personal. It, like, the circle's not their friends. Yeah, there's an aspect of that that's that. I'm talking about intellectually and academically. You are their circle. So if they look at you and don't get inspired, they have a cage. Are y'all with me? Yeah. And, and we're going to talk about the concept of a digital cage in a little bit. But if, if you don't inspire them, now the question is this. How the heck do I inspire them? By your presence. By your acceptance of your learning of the process with them. You inspire somebody by modeling for them that it's a shared challenge. No one is inspired by somebody who ain't got no struggle. It, I could admire, nah, I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a variance between admiration and inspiration. If you see somebody that got something like, man, I admire that person. They, it's nice that they have that. I could commend you. I could admire your end goal, but I'm not inspired by you. If you demonstrate the end goal, like I know computer science, I'm here. They're like, oh, that's nice. It would be, be cute to be you. But, but, they're, not, but they're, not, they're not invested. So are you, are you teaching for admiration or for inspiration? You see what I'm saying? Now, if you're teaching for inspiration, you got to have a story to tell. 
Like Biggie. Yeah. That's a whole other reference. If you ain't got no story to tell, there's no, there's no space for the inspiration. Now, the story to tell around CS is a story to tell around your challenges and understanding the landscape of CS. Like, nobody, look, this is a field. We don't need no experts. I know we got some engineering folks in here, some coding folks in here. We don't need your, we don't need your expertise for the inspiration component. For the inspiration component, I need the articulation of the struggle in amassing the knowledge. Who, who's with me? Like, I'm sitting there with the kids, and we're taking apart the joint together. By the way, because we talk about building, like Nipsey built, if you ain't got no building of something, a construction of something, you ain't got no curriculum. And I'm sitting there with you like, dang, I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. I can't figure this out. And the kids are going to look at you like, what? You're the teacher you're supposed to know. <laughs> and then you look at them right back like, nah, bro, we figuring this out together. <laughs> right? And then you, then, you, then, you, then you overcome the challenge together. I would even argue that sometimes you act like you don't know. Y'all don't even understand this pedagogy work. Sometimes I might, I might table my knowledge and perform my lack of it to model with the young folks that we overcome the struggle together. And now, they, now they're about to give up. And then they see you looking like you're about to give up. Then you take a walk around the classroom. And then you come back. And so, and then you go again. And they're looking at you like, man, I am inspired. Like, it, so now you model the resilience necessary for this area of work. Y'all with me? And that's for the computational aspect. That's for the building aspect as well. But that's core pedagogy, especially in the hood when we talk about equity. Because, you see, this idea of CS for all, it's not, it's not CS for all white folks. It's CS for all young folks in schools across New York City who are particularly marginalized, who are black and brown bodies, who don't have exemplars of CS to begin with, or an exemplar of folks who know how to overcome an academic struggle. It's not, a, it's not, a, it's not, a, um, it's not an insult. Be because schools have not historically allowed for them to activate the kind of localized grit they have. Let, let, me, let me take that back. It ain't like the schools haven't taught the grit. I'm saying the school or the, kids, or the kids lack the grit is that the kids have not had the conditions within schools to activate the existing grit. And the activation of the existing grit comes from a modeling of how to do it and a recognition of their goals. You see, you see how this comes full circle, y'all? Who are you going to be in that circle? Some hero to be admired or a pedagogue to inspire? But you also have to understand that the inability for you to inspire constructs a digital cage. And this is the part I want to hold on to. We can have a CS for all approach to instruction to meet the goals and needs of all young folks. And the tool could be emancipatory and the instruction could be one that is anti-liberatory. You can have a discourse of freedom and a pedagogy of mental and physical and emotional incarceration. And, and, and in this technology world, we oftentimes think that it's the tool. Like the tool will get us over there. Nah, bro. The pedagogy gets you there. The tool is a tool. Otherwise, you reconstruct the things that exist in existing schools and create a digital cage. And, and the reason why I want to talk about that in the context of pedagogy is we look at these big things that changed the world in technology pre the sort of computer language age. And I think about the telephone. And I, talk, I think about the Minitel in France. Does anybody know anything about the Minitel story? Mind-boggling. Well, just for the record, the first telephones were a, an advent in technology that made the whole world switch up. And the goals of the initial telephone were simply for folks to be in their homes and listen to the opera. Like, literally, I can't get to the opera, so I have this device I can pick up and hear the music. Bell wasn't talking about communication initially. The initial iteration, the initial prototypes was a unidirectional, unidirectional approach. 
that got hacked by real people that said, nah, we could talk on this joint. <laughs> Meaning that technology and teaching technology is not about the information around the tool, it's about ways to manipulate the existing tool to meet the needs of the population. The phone became the phone because folks hacked the phone system. The Minitel in France literally was computers, they, they, they were pre-computers that were connected to these phone wires were literally a unit, it was almost like a digital phone book. And just for the record, that Minitel was lit. Like France was talking real crazy around the world. Seriously, they were like, yo, I'm stunting on y'all. Like y'all just got phones. We got these joints called a Minitel. It's a screen. Like they was, like they was stunting on the world because they felt as though they had the technology, right? And then what happened is people in France started hacking the Minitel. And we started hacking the Minitel. They started using it for modes of communication, et cetera. And they were the advent of what we see today, even in social media, was existing on the Minitel in like 1980s, right? So all this goes down for a while, but guess what happened? Then the French were so busy stunting, they wasn't innovating. So they were too busy professing the benchmarks they've met, which can happen to us. Oh, what? I'm a computer science teacher. That's innovative. It's creative. Without, so now you stunt, and by, by stunting, you're, y'all get what I get mean by stunting? Yeah. Like a double entendre, right? Because yeah. you are stunting on folks, then you're stunting your progress. Somebody in here don't understand anything I'm saying because my colloquialism is, is do, y'all, do y'all teach in the hood or not? Like, like no cap, like y'all really are not. <laughs> if you spend so much time stunting, you will end up stunting. And now the digital world moved past the Minitel. Now it's passe. It was like five years ago. They were like, they literally had like a rest in peace to rest in peace to their innovation. We cannot afford to have a rest in peace to our innovation, y'all. This, this construct of this work and computer science for all. And if we keep trying to, because a lot of y'all right now. So now we got to talk about social media. Because it's been the aspect of the established work that we have separated the most from teaching and learning. And you as computer science educators have to have a full embracing of social media, even within a school that might be anti it. Y'all with me? Because the tool can be negative, but it's negative because we made it negative. It is negative because we ignored it from the established curriculum because of a fear of all that could go wrong. And then young folks are saying, well, I mean, can I play that? Can I play out a scenario with y'all? Play it. Listen to me. So I'm in school. I'm chilling. I'm in the ninth grade or whatever. And social media is popping. IG lit, right? <laughs> like my whole life is my IG. Then every teacher goes, "We can't have social media in the school. You cannot have that in classrooms." And you're like, "Yo, but what schools for?" And they're like, "Your schools are for learning. Schools are for amassing information, and school is for learning. So IG is not accepted in school, right?" So now I go home like, yo, everybody on IG though. And they said it's not for school or learning. So if it's not for school, what is it for? Well, it can't be for anything educational or educative because the school told me it wasn't for education. So now my parameters around its use are set by the digital cage the teacher put on my mind around it. So now I'm like, so what are you doing? Well, if it's not for learning something, it must be for truck videos and fights. Like, so, so now I start constructing 
an identity around the use of the tool based on the ignorance of an educator that doesn't understand that that's where social life is and it's a technology tool. And now you, we have a generation of young folks across New York City public schools whose digital imprint is so problematic and it's gonna affect them later on and we don't even have a digital imprint, a digital footprint conversation in classrooms. And some of us talking about some computer science. <laughs> what do computer science in? <laughs> you, 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 you teaching them how to code something? And, and their persona that they've constructed online revolves around something that's inherently anti who they are because we separate that from who they are. You better have a computer science and social media digital literacy classroom as a beginning and it'll work best for you because they'll rather that than whatever you got to teach them. Let me teach you how to use your IG better. Computer science for all. Yes. You know, do y'all remember MySpace? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So brother over there remembers too fondly, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but I was talking on the podcast over there about MySpace, right? As an exemplar for how we could think about pedagogy. So MySpace predates Facebook, which is for young folks really passe, because y'all invited too many of y'all grandmas on there. And, and now, and now they, they, they Twitter and an IG, and it is what it is. And, 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 and it's a whole other conversation, too, because I think Vine would have been more lit if they didn't get absorbed into the model. But there was a whole capitalist structure that really absorbed that and took it away as competition. And there's a lesson even in that. Do y'all know that a conversation with young folks about what happened to Vine becomes the opener for a powerful and rich computer science curriculum about them building the alternative? Anyway, so MySpace. <laughs> My heart be all in this work, y'all. What was lit about MySpace was MySpace was Facebook before Facebook was Facebook. And MySpace had all these networks. And, so, and, and you know, the thing about MySpace is like, you know, everybody had a friend and Tom. You know what I mean? Like, and, and then and when, and when MySpace was really starting to pop, everybody was on there and they had these really blank templates. Like you go in there, you put your image, you put your info, your friends are Tom, and you find your friends. And it was a very, very simplistic model that kind of worked for a community or a world that was looking for communication. And then something happened. Folks of color in particular, the kids in New York City public schools in particular, were like, yo, this is trash, B. Because I, like, I'm from the hood, I got swag, I got a presence, and my, and my MySpace is mad lame because it looks just like everybody else who's from nowhere. So they started going into MySpace. Nobody says, hey, there's a coding mechanism behind MySpace. They were just like, yo, I want this to be more lit. So they literally, there were kids in the hood. Before CS of all got popping, six, seven years prior, kids in the hood were coding. Yeah. They MySpace pages were the most litiest. Suppose like, they were literate? No, but, but they were. They were digitally literate, but lit in the sense, like their pages had like scrolling avatars and stars in the background popping up. And then there's, there's, there's this one kid in the hood who's looking at like, yo, homie page is lit. How do I get my page to be as lit? Then they go and sit for hours on end, learning how to be able to manipulate that coding structure to create the dopest page. And, again, and then after that, that some kids got so dope at it, and usually the most hood kids got so dope at it, they were literally running con consulting businesses on how to create dope MySpace pages for kids in the hood and elsewhere. What is the lesson in that for us? That the genius exists. If the will exists, you activate the genius. Can I say that again? The genius exists. 
If the will exists, you activate the genius. So what's our job then? Our job is just to act, to create the will. How do you create the will? Creating the conditions for enough freedom to feel as though you can have your needs met. Without order, this is one of my favorite quotes, nothing can exist. Without chaos, nothing can evolve. Schools exist based on the order of where we had. I don't know if I'm going to get kicked out or not. This field is a field that has to welcome chaos and organized chaos. A break things down and put them back together. And if you can't put, yo, you know how many computers the New York City Department of Education throws out every year? Do you know how many digital devices are in the basement of your school right now? Collecting cobwebs that are a year old, two years old. And they will stay there until somebody happens to go in the basement and say, wow, look at these old MacBooks. Yo, bring them joints into your classroom and tear them mothers up with the babies and then have critical conversations about constructing their own devices. The, the, it's not the absence of resources, it's an absence of will. And it's an absence of creativity. And we have the opportunity to be able to invoke a newfound creativity around this work. I want chaos in your classrooms. CS classrooms gotta be the most loud classrooms across New York City, because the kids are having fun. A, a, a reconnection to what is seemingly anti-intellectual, as in the tangible and the tactile. You know, don't erase the tactile from, from, from instruction nowadays. Don't nobody do nothing no more. 10 minutes, damn. Oh. That, that's 10 minutes including Q&A or just 10 minutes of me? That's 10 minutes altogether of everything? Damn it. Now, I, I got to be respectful of my host. 15? Good looking out. I appreciate you. Hold up. That's, a, that's, a, that's an exemplar here. Can we talk? Can we talk, talk? Look, we're talking to teachers. We got to talk, talk. Listen, this is an exemplar here for educators. People are always going to tell you what you have. And you can curtail yourself at what they say you have. Or you could create an emotional connection to create what you need. You don't think they're going to say, no, we can't get the computers out the basement. You only have 10 minutes. Like, no, no, no disrespect. But it's, it's, it's the equivalent. It's the equivalent. It's the equivalent. Everybody's going to tell you what you cannot do. The beauty of what we have is that there's no, there's no nuanced, top-down, hyper-bureaucratic structure to inhibit us from creating what... Somebody tells you, like, you can't do this. You'd be like, listen, it's a computer science for all school. Computer science dictates that the kids go into the basement and get all the old computers. Who's going to say no? They might say no. You'd be like, y'all didn't hear? That was a new thing from CS for All that we got at the conference on Saturday. There, there's no... There's, there's not yet... There's not yet a hyper-bureaucratic tailoring of what it looks like. Once you got an opening, if you don't go, look, if you don't go, you, when they lock you in at a green light, you got to learn how to move on red. Sometimes when folks tell you to go, they put things in front of you so you can't go. They're like, you've got computer science for all. Go. And you're like, I ain't got no tools. I ain't got no devices. I don't, I don't got the space in the school day. And so technically it's gold, but they jammed you up. Guess what happens? The light turns red, then they move all the stuff out the way. And you're like, well, the light's red. They told me I only had 10 minutes. I can't go any further. And then you stop. And that's when you go. If you don't go when the light is red, you ain't never going to go nowhere. A couple of examples real quick. I'm not, you're going to have to scroll through these. I only got 10 minutes. So first thing, there's these kids. They came out of Brooklyn. They live in Bed-Stuy. They called them the, um, the pop-out boys. And they were scammers. And I don't know if y'all remember Designer, Designer's Panda. A lot of folks missed that. And when, when, when Designer was talking about Panda, they, they just thought he was, 
well, it did sound a lot like gibberish, but a lot of folks thought it was gibberish, but within that narrative, in, in addition to his homage to uh, black and white BMW X6s, there was also a very prominent theme there around scamming. And, and this is important, because people are like, why would you talk about scamming in CS? Yo, kids, people in the hood scamming right now, right? So they, they get in your credit card joints, they get in the reader, they con- they're building their own readers, <laughs> y'all. They, they throw them joints and get, it's problematic, yes, but there's a gift in here. They're getting their own readers. They're going online. They're getting devices. They're building their own devices. They're building their own chips. And, and, and they're making tons of money. And people say, these kids in Bed-Stuy? How? Because they're geniuses. <laughs> they're geniuses with a technological leaning that have no other space to be able to utilize that skill set so they use it in the dark web. I'll tell you this. No young person wants to commit a crime. They're not like, Ooh, let me wake up in the morning and do something to risk life. Like, that's not their intention. <laughs> it's not their intention. But when you couple the absence of socioeconomic resources with the inability of schools to be able to allow me to allow my, technico- my technological knowledge to be activated, then you got a perfect storm in the hood. I ain't got no bread. I can't be smart. I could be smart and get a little bit of bread. Scamming. And these kids were geniuses. And they all got locked. And they, and they all got new Jordans on. And so what's my, what, what, what's my point here? I'm taking a new direction. Can, can, y'all, can y'all rock with me, please? I'm making an argument that a CS for All initiative, particularly in neighborhoods who are socioeconomically deprived, has to be predicated upon creating opportunities for kids to learn technological entrepreneurship. If you've got a computer science classroom and the kids aren't making what they want or having an, an, an avenue to make some paper off what they're doing, then you're losing Particularly now where the divides and hierarchies around who can enter into digital, digital spaces are broken down. We are the ones creating the digital, look, we are creating the digital cages. It's us. And sometimes it's hard to say this to educators because we scared too. I'm telling you to help a kid be an entrepreneur and you think I'm just going to follow the curriculum and teach till I die. And it's, it's hard for you to it's hard for you to model something for somebody if you don't have that spirit yourself, which is why you got to you got to work on you. Put the volume all the way up because this, this, this is this is stop. stop no, bring it back. Go back. Go back. And then we're going to start over again. I'll just give you a little context. So this is a video of a dude that was shot in the 70s. And this guy was being confronted with a, a thing that he was observing. And just 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 listen to the interaction. All right, play it. Okay, I'm going to give you a choice. Can you tell me what this is? Okay, I can tell you. Okay, um, is this a clock, a lock, or a telephone? A lock. The lock? She's talking about this. A lock, a lock, or a telephone? It's okay. This is new, uh, new, uh, cell phone. A clock, a lock? I can see them. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can just picture them. I know that I have 
It's like I'm, I'm doing a combination lock. Good. Okay, good. We need to work on that. Shit. Shit. <laughs> Shit. 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 So this, 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 this gentleman is suffering from a condition called agnosia. Agnosia is a brain condition that robs an individual of the ability to be able to discern between the phenomena that they see in front of them. So it's right there. He's like, is it a clock, a lock, or a telephone? He's like, I don't know. I want to lock. Like, he's literally grappling the whole time with the thing. And here's the thing. He can never use the tool for what it's supposed to do because he cannot quite recognize what the tool is. Y'all with me? Like, he doesn't see the power of what he had. And he's like, I feel something. I sense something. Y'all remember that? Like, he's struggling with it. And in the midst of that, he still can't see it. Educators collectively suffer from a, a cultural agnosia. And the cultural agnosia is a disease where you cannot see the student. So you're looking at this young person in the hood, and you're like, is that a clock, a lock, or a telephone? Is that, is that, a, is that a genius, a criminal, or somebody who just engaged in school? Is, is that a computer scientist or a kid who's always late? I can't, I can't discern what that person is. I came to a keynote for CS for All, and I'm feeling something. I'm feeling like I got to reimagine something, but I can't quite identify it. And you can't help young folks to be computer science literate until you heal from your cultural agnosia and recognize genius when you see it. In closing, <laughs> just take out your uh, phones and just type in the word academic. Just really quickly. It should take you two seconds. And once you get that word academic, whoever gets it first, read to me what you heard, what you, what you see, rather, what you see. Yes. Relating to education and scholarship. The goal for any educator, the goal for a computer science educator is to relate the young folks to education and scholarship within that domain. Now read me the second definition. Y'all see that? You cannot have a teaching of definition two and expect the goals of definition one. And while your phones is out, go to Amazon and buy for white folks teaching the hood. I appreciate the time, y'all. I'll see you later. For more info about advertising with us, charitable sponsorship, or if you have show ideas you want to share, find me on Twitter, at M.A. Lesser. The tracks in this podcast were produced by Leroy Tindy, a guest in episode zero, an Ithaca bomber, an engineer of digital things and fresh beats. Find him on SoundCloud at Air Tindy Beats. No such thing is produced by me, Mark Lesser, a learner like you, and our show notes can be found at nosuchthingpodcast.org. 